man, I, already, I think I've lost my voice a little bit during that last song. <clears throat> But we're going to tough through it. Here we go. We're starting a brand new teaching series today called Angels and Demons. And uh, we're going to be diving into this uh, over the next three weeks. We're looking at what the word has to say about angels, what it has to say about demons. And, and then we're going to finish up with what it has to say about heaven and hell. How many of you, let me ask you this, how many of you have questions about angels? Let me, let me see some hands. Like most of us have questions. Yeah, I, I do too. I do too, okay? So, so I can't promise that we're going to answer all of those questions today, nor do I believe that we've been given all of those answers as humans. But what I do know is this, that there is a world beyond the natural world that we live in, a world that's honestly more real than the natural world we live in. And, and it's, a super, it's a supernatural world. And over the next weeks, God willing, I hope to provide at least a little clarity on these topics. The thing is, is that you can probably go for days or, or weeks or months even without even like contemplating or thinking about the fact that there is a world greater than the world that we actually see. We all tend to view the world and absorb what's taking place around us with our five physical and so we, it's what we see, what we hear, uh, what, what we can touch and what we can smell. Like these, these things, they, th this is how we see and absorb the world around us. And the Bible teaches that there is a world beyond what we see and what we hear. There is a supernatural, invisible world that surrounds this physical, natural world. And, and it's kind of interesting when it comes to what the Bible actually teaches uh, about the supernatural world is that it actually teaches us to live with a daily sense of awareness. In fact, the Bible actually wants us to to interact with the supernatural world in a way that transcends our understanding of this natural world. So here it is, church. I want to give you a scripture verse that highlights what I'm talking about. And this is sort of the key theme verse for this particular series. This is 2 Corinthians uh, 4.18. It's a, it's a kind of a challenging verse uh, if you think about it. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Other translations say, as we fix our eyes on the things that are not seen. I actually like that idea better, this idea, because it is, it's not casual. This isn't like a casual, think about what's going on in the, in the supernatural realm around you. This is, this is a, a challenge for us to focus our mind's eye on the things that we cannot see. It goes on, uh, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. All right, so, so there's this supernatural world, this unseen spiritual dynamic that, that we uh, maybe consider from time to time. Maybe we think about it every once in a while. Uh, and, and really, honestly, we don't, we don't think about it enough, especially because in our culture, we're so desensitized uh, to the supernatural realm. Uh, with all of the negative aspects of the supernatural world on display, uh, there's like all kinds of you know, shows and themes of, of demonic and satanic and all these different things. And listen, I'm not like trashing any of this. I think shows and movies are entertainment and, and I have no problem with it. They're, they're nothing more to me personally. But, but I do think that we get a little desensitized to a very real battle that's waging for minds and souls all around us. All right. And so there are shows like uh, there's one called Supernatural. And it's built around demons. Like literally the shows, like they hunt demons and they hang out with demons and they like have demon friends. And 
whatever. And again, it's entertainment. I, it's CW. And so um, I'm just kidding. If you like the show, uh, I, I watched Small, Smallville back in the day. So, um, so, so it's a CW show and it's got all these demons and all this stuff and whatever. And I think it just, it just helps to desensitize us just a little bit. There's, there's a show uh, called Lucifer. It's based on a DC comic book character uh, and it's built around, it's, it's a hit show on Fox and it's, it's all about, and so again, not throwing shade at those shows, but I think it desensitizes us to the real bad. And and based on this verse and others in scripture, uh, that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to fix our eyes on the things that are unseen. He wants us to know that there is a very real battle waging. Okay? And, And so we're kicking it off today by looking at God's spiritual beings known as angels. Because truthfully, so many people today don't even understand what the role of angels are in the spirit world and in our lives as well. A lot of people, and and myself included, it's very common, uh, like we just talked about, to get our our beliefs about angels from TV shows, from movies, from pop culture. And and for example, uh, you might show your age a little bit if you answer this question truthfully. How many of you used to watch the show Touched by an Angel? Okay, a little bit more than I thought. That's good. That's good. Okay. Uh, so very heartwarming show. If you've never heard of it, that's fine. It, it, it's been off the air for a long time. And so a lot of people think that angels, because of this show, are actually women with British accents, right? <laughs> then there's other shows, other movies, other things that talk about angels. There's one of my personal favorites. It was Angels in the Outfield. Anybody ever watch Angels in the Outfield? Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm like all full of 90s pop culture references today. Uh, how about this one? This is maybe obscure. Uh, there's a movie called Michael with John Travolta. Anybody remember that one? Okay, so that's the smallest crew so far. All right, so Michael, uh, this, was a, this was a beer-drinking angel that wore wife beaters. Like, this was the angel that was presented to us uh, via John Travolta. Um, and, and then there's my favorite Christmas movie of all time. I have to watch it at least once every single year. It's a Wonderful Life. Anybody got some love for It's a Wonderful Life in the house? Yes, I love It's a Wonderful Life. Listen, if you hate It's a Wonderful Life, you need Jesus because it is such a great movie. It's so heartwarming. It's, it's literally Christmas on screen. I love it so much. It's, it's just beautiful. But, but what did the movie teach us about angels? Angels. There's a, there, okay, so it tells us, first of all, that there's an angel named, anybody remember his name? Clarence. All right, there's at least one angel. His name is Clarence. And, and he also teaches us this. He teaches us that every time a bell rings, what happens? An angel gets his wings. So here's the thing. A lot of people get their beliefs about angels from these places, right? Some some people, and and you may, you may have gotten, actually gotten a card one time. Uh, There's a certain holiday in February, and maybe you got a card that had a naked, bald baby on it shooting an arrow at somebody, Right? Maybe, maybe you saw that. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Listen, I'll gladly take the chocolates that come with that card. Uh, and as cute as that lovey-dovey baby might be, it's not an angel. It's not what angels are like. Some people believe, uh, and this is rather common, that, one of your, uh, that, that if one of your relatives actually dies, that they go to heaven and, and they become and may, maybe even become your guardian angel. And so if like your grandmother passed away and some people say, well, grandma's watching over me. I don't know about you, but there's some times in my life where I don't want grandma watching over me. There's some, there, you know, I'm like, I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just being real. Like, sorry, grandma. You know, like I don't, 
So thankfully, that's, that's not really true. Grandma does not become an angel. She doesn't get wings, and she's not your guardian angel. So we, we live in the South, and sometimes people call you an angel, right? Sometimes we live in the South, and that's kind of something, if you do something sweet or nice for somebody, and they look at you, and they just say, aren't you an angel? No, you're not an angel. Like, I mean, I'll, I hate to break it to you, but you're not an angel. Trust me, uh, you're not an angel, um, Two guys walk into a bar and one says, my mother-in-law is an angel. And the other says, you're lucky. Mine's still on earth with me. Uh, mother-in-law jokes. So what does the Bible actually say about angels? Listen, it's not for lack of information. The Bible actually gives us tons of information on angels. In the Old Testament, there's around 108 verses that describe angelic activity. In the New Testament, there's 165 references to angels. And so there's actually a ton of information. And what I want to do today is give you as much of that information as I can. I want to give as much to it to you, much as much of it to you as I can. At the end of the day, I hope that that once we've talked about this and and what we've talked about uh, has been a huge encouragement to you. And listen, we're going to kind of go through this sort of fast, but, but I want you to know that, that the audio for most of our messages is available on our website, uh, I think, by Tuesday evening. And so you can go check that out. Uh, there's also a blog post that's usually written up that gives you, like, highlights a lot of the main ideas and the main thoughts and the main points and gives you some references. And so, so we're going to go through this kind of fast, but be sure to go back. If you miss something or if you want to learn a little bit more, uh, go back and catch up and use uh, that tool that's available to you. All right, so... What we should first understand is that according to scripture, angels are God's servants. Angels are God's servants. That's the first, that's one of the, the easiest and quickest things that the summations that we can come to in scripture. They are supernatural beings created by God and for God's glory. They do the exact bidding and work of God. And what's amazing is that these spiritual beings, they, they can be so fierce that they can kill thousands of people at one time, and yet they're so gentle that they can protect a single child. Angels are the messengers and the spiritual beings of God. Now, now here's what's interesting. Uh, angels, they're also invisible. Angels are invisible. They're very likely in this place right now. Angels all around us at this moment. Right now, in the spirit world, most likely angels surrounding this very theater that we're, that we're meeting. And remember, 2 Corinthians from a moment ago, the things unseen, Scripture says. But here's what's really hard for my finite mind to grasp. I can, I can, I can buy, I can, I can understand and, and believe the invisible thing. I, have, I actually have no trouble getting on that train, but here's what actually is difficult for me to understand is that there are times when angels actually show up looking like human beings. Angels can take human form. And, and, and admittedly, like that's kind of like far out there for me. But when you look at scripture, there's a couple of examples. In fact, back-to-back uh, -back chapters in the Bible, Genesis 18 and 19. In Genesis 18, Abraham, he's just hanging out by a tree. Three guys show up. Hey, what's going on? Uh, and these were spiritual beings from heaven. 
And he thought that they were regular guys. And so he yelled back into the tent, hey, Sarah, we've got some company out here. Come make your famous bread. Let's feed these guys. And he didn't even realize who was in front of him in that exact moment. There were angels actually in front of him disguised as men. The very next chapter, something similar happened. Uh, Lot, he's in Sodom and he, he meets two guys one day and he's like, hey, hey guys, what's going on? And he thought they were just people with no place to stay. And so he invited them. He said, hey, why don't you guys come and stay with me? I wanna take care of you for the night. And what he didn't realize was that right Right there in front of him were two angels from God. In fact, in Hebrews 13, it says it's very specific. Verse 2. Here's what scripture says. The Bible says this. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. That, that's kind of the one that boggles my mind as we walk through this whole list. That's the one that, that like kind of makes me think a little bit because my, my finite mind just doesn't get that. But God is incredible, and his angelic beings are incredible. And so he created these, these beings, and they can take human form. We see the examples from Scripture, and we see the warning, not, not really a warning, but we, we see the advice in, in Hebrews chapter 13 that says, show, show hospitality to everybody because you never know when you're actually entertaining angels. You don't even know it. And so there are some other things that you might want to know about angels. One thing is that angels are immortal. They, they don't die. They weren't created to die. Luke chapter 20, verse 36 tells us that angels were created to live forever. Another one is that angels are intelligent. In 2 Samuel 14, 20, it says, uh, but my Lord has wisdom like the wisdom of the angel of God to know all the things that are on the earth. So, so they're not just smart. They have the wisdom of all things. This, if, if, if we believe what this verse says, I'm gonna go through this kind of fast. Angels are holy. Now, that should honestly not be that much of a surprise to us. I mean, uh, he, they, they hang out with God all the time, right? So Mark, Mark 8, 38 calls the angels holy. The Bible says the angels are innumerable. That means that there are too many for us to count. In Revelation, it talks about 100 million angels worshiping God in his presence. In Hebrews 12, 22, it says that there were innumerable angels, too many angels to count. You know, Jesus tells us about this great uh, battle that, and, that happened in heaven and, and angels took sides. And it says that one third of the angels in that battle, one third of the angels descended. And, and I don't know about you, but I like what Billy Graham said. He said that if, if one third of the angels descended, that means that there's still two thirds left. So the angelic forces in, in our world outnumber the demonic forces two to one. And I don't know about you, but I think that's good news today. Another fact about angels so another little tidbit is that they are strong. Revelation 18.1 says that angels have great power. Uh, Psalm 103.20 says angels excel in strength. <laughs> Listen, church, I want to I forever dispel the myth that angels are fat, heart-playing babies sitting on a cloud somewhere. My angel is 10 feet tall and he works out, okay? Like that, that might not be your, you know, the fat angel, that might be your angel, but I'm telling you right now that my angel is buff and you don't want to mess with my angel. Based on scripture, that's just what I see. Another thing, angels are organized. 
We see in the book of Revelation that it talks about how angels are actually organized into 12 legions. The angels that were, that were talked about in that specific instance were organized in 12 legions. A legion was 6,000 strong, and so there were 12 groups of 6,000, and I tried to do the math beforehand. I hope I got it right. 72,000 angels in this case, and they were all organized, and it's apparent that they were led, and there are archangels and angels with different tasks, and, and, and so here's, ultimately, I've, I've read all the, here's the bottom line, church. Angels are friggin' awesome. Look at your neighbor and tell them how awesome angels are. And then, and then say it like you actually mean it. Angels are friggin' awesome. So these were some fun facts. Just some interesting things as we walk through Scripture that we can see about angels. And again, I, I said 106 verses in the, in the Old Testament, 100, uh, 160 plus in the New Testament. So, so there's a lot of verses for, you to, for us to look through. And we're not going to hit all of them uh, here this morning. But, but I want to answer this one. Uh, we have two big questions that we want to answer. And here, here's the first one. Who are angels? All right, now, they're all of these things that we just said. But I want to talk about their specific roles. Because who, who exactly are angels? Angels are, are spiritual beings created by God and for God. But, 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 but what are their roles? So they're everything we just mentioned. But in Scripture, we find, I think, three things. And if you're, you're taking notes, here's the first one. Angels are worshipers first. And if you're questioning the spelling of worshipers, you can spell it with one P or two Ps. The jury's out on that. I like one P. Wherever you find God or Jesus, wherever you find God or Jesus, you will always find angels worshiping God and Jesus. And in, in fact, scripture says this in Hebrews 1.6. And again, he brings the firstborn into the world and he says, let all God's angels worship him. So what, what do the angels do? They worship God. All right, they, they bow down before Jesus. They worship. And in fact, Scripture says in Revelation 5, uh, 11 through 13, John said this. He said, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of what? Many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Angels are worshipers. Before they ever, we're going to get into what they do for us and how they interact with us here in a moment. But before they ever do any of that for us, with us, around us, near us, before they surround this building and cover it with, its, with their protection, they first worship God. Here's the second thing, if you're taking notes. Angels are also warriors. They're also warriors. They're actually fierce warriors battling on behalf of God, just like in Daniel 10, when Daniel prayed and, and, and the angel 21 days later showed up. Daniel offered a prayer. It took 21 days. The angel showed up and said, I've been trying to get here, but I've been doing battle against the prince of Persia. And, and finally, Michael, the archangel actually showed up and he's handling the prince. So now I'm here to deliver you a message. They battle. They're warriors. First Chronicles 21 shows a time where David, he looked up and he saw suspended between heaven and earth. He saw a mighty angel with his sword drawn over Jerusalem. And, and, and God said, I want to have compassion on them. And he said to the angel, put away your sword. And the angel obeyed God. But the angel was ready to do battle on behalf of God. Angels are warriors. 
You see an incredible example of this in 2 Kings 19, 35. And, and that night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down. How many? Do we have the number there? 185,000. I want you to focus in on that number for a second. He put to death, this angel, one angel put to death 185,000 people in the camp of the Assyrians in one night. And when the people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. This warring angel put to death 185,000 men because angels are warriors of God. Scripture says this in uh, Revelation 12, 7. Now war arose in heaven and, and Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. They did what? They, they fought back. Why? Because angels were created by God and for God. They are worshipers and they were warriors. Here's number three. Angels are also messengers. These are the three main things that we see in Scripture. We can see what angels do and what they are, and we're going to get into a little bit more of what they do. But, but these are the main three roles in Scripture of angels. They are, they are first worshipers, they are warriors, and they're also messengers. Over and over and over again in Scripture, when you see an angel show up, they come with a message from God and for God's people. There's such a great example of this in the Old Testament in the book of Judges when Gideon was afraid. He was scared to death of the Midianites, and he was so afraid that he was hiding from them. And Scripture says this in Judges 6.12, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. So what happened? An angel of God showed up to Gideon to give him a message. God is with you. You can win this battle because the Lord is with you. You are a mighty warrior. In Luke 1, 30 through 31, it shows one of the most famous uh, messages of an angel in all of Scripture, one that, that all of us surely uh, know to a certain extent. An angel showed up to a teenage virgin girl uh, with this message, and he said this. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So the angel appeared, the, the angel of the Lord appeared and gave probably the greatest news that anybody has ever gotten in the history of the world. The virgin will be with child. His name will be Jesus. He will be the savior of the world. So what are the angels? They are worshipers. They are warriors. They are messengers. So I know I went through that kind of fast. Again, you can go back and check some of these references later. But I wanted to really sit on how they relate to us. Because I think this is very important. Because you may be thinking like, okay, angels, this is some lofty idea and, and, and we, don't, we don't know exactly how to interact with them. We don't really know what they do for us. And we don't, you know, we just know that they're God's created beings and, and they do God's bidding. And, and, but, but how does that matter and how does that impact us as people in our everyday lives? And so I want to give you some ideas. I want to give you some things that angels do. And so now we're going to look at and try to deal with this question. Uh, what exactly do angels do? Because they do so much. Listen, they do so much. We're only going to be able to focus on about three things here as we, uh, as we, as we, as we finish this out, as we look at this this morning. Three things. The first thing, if you're taking notes, number one, angels often give you direction. Angels can come and guide you and give you direction. For example, just talked about the story of, of the little teenage girl, Mary, who found out that she would be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Well, she had a fiancé, and his name was Joseph, right? Most of us know this, and you can only imagine what Joseph's response when Mary comes in and says, you know, hey, guess what? I'm going to be a mom. And he's probably like, but I wasn't there. How, how does this happen? 
And she's like, oh, that's the cool part, right? Like, this is from the Holy Spirit. And Angel came and told me. And he's like, okay, yeah, right, whatever. I saw a dude looking at you in the in the market. And so he's, he's he, no, really, what's going on? Like, he's trying to figure out what's what's the deal. And, and she's like, of course, you know, God got me pregnant. And, um, you know, what's he going to tell his buddies? Like, I don't know where to go from there. So, so he's, you know, he's trying to figure all this out. But here's what happens. And if you know the story, you know, he, he did what any other guy would do in this situation. He, he planned to break things off with her. Like he planned to, to cut it off and to, to, to make a clean break and get away. But God sent one of his heavenly messengers in a dream to give Joseph directions. Here's what it says in scripture, Matthew 1.20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. An angel of God appeared and gave him direction. So one of the things that angels do for us. There's another great example of this in the Old Testament, Numbers uh, 22. Uh, this is one of my favorite stories. It's a funny yet powerful story. And here's what the Bible says. Um, this guy named Balaam one day. So Balaam rose early in the morning. This is Numbers 22, starting in verse 21. He rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and he went uh, with, the princess, uh, with the princes of Moab. But God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way of his adversary, as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey and with his two servants. They were there with him. So this guy was going in the wrong direction, right? So God sent an angel to redirect him. Balaam, scripture says, was riding on his donkey with two of his servants. At verse 23, it goes on. It says, and the, and the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside off of the road and went down into a field. And, and so Balaam, he, he struck the donkey uh, to turn her back onto the road. And so here we have Balaam. He's riding his faithful little friend, right? The donkey. And the donkey sees this fierce angel. Balaam doesn't see. The donkey sees the fierce angel, and the donkey's like, I don't want any part of this. And so he veers off to go a different direction, to go a different way. And Balaam, he's not happy about it. So he gets off his donkey, and he starts to, like, beat the tar out of it, like, bad donkey, right? And so he gets the donkey, and he wants it to get back on the path. And so he gets back, he gets on the donkey, and he gets it going again. And, and again, the angel showed up a second time and blocked the donkey. I'm just paraphrasing the rest of the story for you. And, and the angel showed up a second time, blocked the donkey. And so the donkey goes this way this time. He takes off in, in another direction because he doesn't want to go where the angel is standing with his sword. And so, so he took Balaam's foot and he jammed it into the side of a mountain. And this time Balaam, he's just madder than, than all get out. And he, he gets off and he starts like whipping that donkey. He's so upset. Bad donkey, right? He's just like letting it know, letting it have it. And so he gets back again a third time and the donkey's going forward he sees this big like giant fierce angel right in front of him holding a sword and and so the donkey says this time okay well I got in trouble going to the left I got in trouble going to the right I don't want to go where this big guy is and so he just lays down right in the middle of the road the donkey just lays down he's like no thank you and Balaam's so mad he gets off and he starts beating the snot out of this poor cute little innocent donkey and evidently God I think felt sorry for the little donkey because God did something that's just really really cool he opened up the donkey's mouth and let the donkey speak for himself. All right, this is scripture. Like you can read it. The donkey says, this is verse 28. I think we have it up there. Verse 28, the, the, the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Come on, somebody. Isn't the word of God great? Like who, who can say that this is a boring book? Like this is incredible. Now, now here's what's crazy is Balaam just starts talking back. 
Like, there's no evidence of him going, wait a minute, this is weird. Donkey's talking to me. He just starts talking back, right? And he, he, he says, all, and then all of a sudden, Scripture says that God opened up Balaam's eyes, and then he could finally see the angel in front of him. And he actually, like, bowed down before the angel, and then the angel spoke to him. And it's really interesting what he said. The angel basically said, Balaam, if you had gone any further, I was going to kill you, but not the little donkey. Everybody likes the little donkey. But here we see this guy with everything in him wanting to go in a certain direction. And we see this angel coming to redirect him. Right? I want you to listen to me, church. There may be times where you are just like hell-bent on doing something. And you just got to do it. You got to do it. You're focused on it. You're laser-focused. And you continue to hit roadblocks. What could it be? It could be a lot of things. But perhaps... It is an angel of the Lord redirecting you off of the wrong path and onto the right path like he did with Balaam. Angels, they, they do a lot of things. One of the things they do is they give you direction. Not only will angels give you direction, but if you're taking notes, here's the second thing. Angels will also protect you from danger. They'll also protect you from danger. Now, occasionally people will ask, do I have a guardian angel? Does everyone have a guardian angel? And, and, and while that idea has been, you know, built up in pop culture and it's something that, again, we saw in TV shows and movies and we heard about in the, in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and maybe even into the 80s, but, but th- there's this idea that everybody just has a guardian angel. And, and, and truthfully, Scripture never says that, anyone, that everyone has a guardian angel. Um, you know, my heart breaks. Sorry, Clarence. But, uh, but the, here's what the Bible says. It says this very specifically in Psalm 91. It says, um, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. So angels will often protect you from danger. There's another great example of angels protecting people in the New Testament. When Peter was locked up in prison, as much as he wanted to be free, he wanted to be preaching about Jesus, he was chained up and he couldn't get out. Uh, And in any moment, Herod could just have pronounced the judgment on him and executed Peter right then and there. But in the middle of this time in prison, here's what the scripture says happened in Acts chapter 12. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter on the side, woke him up, saying, get up quickly, and the chains fell off his hands. Imagine, like in the middle of his sleep, an angel shows up and touches Peter, and with this bright light just shining in, suddenly the chains just fell away. And suddenly Peter was free. Verse 8 goes on. It says, And the angel said to him, Dress yourself, put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Let's skip ahead to verse 11. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and all that the Jewish people were expecting. Listen, you never know, church, there may come a time in your life where you can say those very same words. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am sure that God has sent his angel to protect me. So what do they do? Angels will direct you. Angels can protect you. And possibly my favorite is this. Angels can minister to you. They can minister God's love and healing and power to you. In fact, Scripture says in Hebrews 1.14, uh, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? 
Listen, they were ministering spirits. In fact, when Jesus was in the desert, he was actually tempted three different times by Satan. You might remember the story. And, and after a 40-day fast, Jesus was physically like exhausted. The enemy shows up and tempts him three different times. And Jesus faithfully fought him off with the word of God. And, and, and there he was just physically wasted, spiritually totally exhausted, recovering from a very intense spiritual battle. And here's what happened. Scripture says in Matthew 4, then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Listen, this word right here for ministering in the Greek language is an awesome word. It's the word called uh, diakonal. And, and here's what it means. It means to be an attendant. It means to wait upon. It means to minister to as unto a friend. And that's what the angel did. Minister to Jesus as unto a friend. Angels are ministering spirits. They can minister to you. Another very powerful example of Jesus was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? And he was just hours before his horrible torturing death on the cross and he knew what was coming. And so he prayed out to God. If you remember, God, is there any other way? If there's anything else you can do, let this cup of suffering pass from me. And, 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 and it says that he was in so much agony knowing what was about to come that he was sweating. He was actually sweating blood drops. That's how intense it was. And, and he says, is there any other way? And then what happened? I don't know if you remember this. If you caught this little tidbit right there in the middle of the story, Luke chapter two, uh, 22, verse 43, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. The angel of God strengthened him. And Jesus went on to say the powerful words, okay, God, not what I want, not my will, but, but after the angel strengthened him, the will of the Lord, the will of God the Father be done. So angels could strengthen you even now. Some, some of you may have a vision to do something and you don't see how it's going to come about. And an angel comes and gives you strength to keep going. Some of you may be facing a challenge in your marriage where you just think, uh, we, we cannot get through this, but then an angel of the Lord can come and give you strength and hope. Some of you may be, may be facing a temptation where you think, I can't overcome this sin. It's not even possible, and God may send a ministering angel that gives you the strength to overcome the temptations of the evil one. Some of you may just be exhausted physically and spiritually, just burned out, and God may send an angel to give you strength. Can we praise God that he has angels to send this morning that can minister to us on a very real level? Angels do so much more than we can cover here in these, you know, 30-odd minutes. Just so much more. They, they, they're so prevalent in our life and around us, even when we don't know it, when we don't realize it so much more than I even understand or know and am able to, to share with you here. Here's what I do know. I do know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we live in a physical world, but there is an equally real and perhaps even more important spiritual world where the, where the forces of darkness battle against the forces of light, where the kingdom of God uh, battles against the plans of the evil one. And as we battle, not against people, not against flesh and blood, uh, not, but against principalities and powers of the dark world, we are given God weapons that are not of this world. We have spiritual weapons. They're, they're, they're the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and the belt of truth and the, the, the shoes that are prepared with the gospel of peace. And we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we can pray for all God's people on all occasions. And the great news is this. We, we, don't, we don't fight and, and engage trying to gain victory. The good news is that Jesus has already won the victory. 
We fight from a position of strength. We fight from victory, not for victory. And the good news is this, is you have to remember this. If you are a disciple of Jesus, if you are a follower of his, then, then greater is the one who is in you than the one who is in the world. Call on God, depend on him, and supernaturally he will sustain you and bring you his ultimate and perfect victory. So all that we've talked about this morning, my hope is that you are encouraged because you're not alone. You're not alone. Even when it feels like it, even when it seems like it, you are not alone. We are surrounded by the forces of good that outnumbers the forces of evil. They are ministering to you. They are fighting for you. You are not alone. There's a story I'm reminded of from the Old Testament, and uh, it illustrates this idea so well. In 2 Kings, there's a king that came against the children of Israel. He was the king of, king of Aram, and uh, he had a mighty army, and he wanted to just destroy, just lay waste to the people of Israel. He met with his military leaders and they devised plans and they, they, they set all of these plans in motion and they came up with all this military strategy uh, of how they were going to defeat the Israelites, how they were going to destroy, not just defeat, but wipe out the army of God, the Israelites. And so, and so he, he, he seemed, but, but here's what was really interesting. If you read the passage in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, what's really interesting is that every time they made a move, the Israelites countered it as if they already knew what was going to happen. Every time they made a move to, to gain the upper hand, the Israelites were somehow one step ahead. And, and so the, the, the king of Aram, he, he thought that maybe there was a traitor in his inner circle giving secret information to Israel, helping her stay that one step ahead. So he started investigating. But his advisor, his advisor told him, hey, uh, I'm going to assure you there is no traitor here. Nobody has betrayed you. Nobody is selling state secrets at this point. Like, it's not happening. Uh, but, but here's what is actually happening. He, he, lets him, he lets the king of Aram know. He says that there is somebody, a prophet, in the midst of the Israelites who knows what you're thinking as soon as you whisper it in your bedchambers. That's actually what Scripture says. If you whisper in your bedchambers, he knows. Right, so, so, so the king of Aram, he's, he's upset and he decides to divert his army to capture Elisha, who was the prophet at the time and get rid of this obstacle. And so, so the next day, Elisha, he's in his house and he's just, he's just, he just woke up and he's, he's uh, you know, just kind of getting ready for the day. And a servant wakes up and he goes outside and he sees this mighty army surrounding the entire town, all there just to get Elisha, just to capture him and take him out of the picture. And so, so the servant runs back in and he breaks the news to Elisha and, and he says, hey, Elisha, I don't know how to tell you this, but there's this massive army surrounding the entire city and they are here just for you. But here's what was, what was weird is that Elisha, he, he, he didn't seem to really care. He's just relaxing. They're surrounded by this huge army and the servant is nervous and he's anxious and he's afraid. But Elisha, and I think this is a direct quote, he, sa he says, Elisha says, chill out. I don't know if that's what it says in the Hebrew, but just chill out. It's all right. Listen, it's, it's all good. And Elisha says, you see that army out there? And the servant's like, yeah, I see that army. I came and told you about that army. The army's scary, and they want to kill you, and, and probably me as well. And so, and so Elisha says, you see that army out there surrounding 
that army is another army, much more powerful than the one you see. And the servant's like, what, really? I don't see it. Like, where, where is it? He's looking for it and, and he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to see, how do I know it's there? And so Elisha prays for the servant's eyes to be opened. And there's this massive army right outside the gates that everyone can touch and hear and smell and use their senses. They, they, they see it, they fear it, everything. And surrounding that army is an army, is, is an army infinitely more powerful, infinitely stronger. It's an army of flaming chariots and angelic power. And that's what brought Elisha peace in that moment. He rested in the awareness that there are more for us than those against us. And I want us to rest in that awareness here this morning. There is more for us than against us. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to celebrate your goodness and your wonder. Father, I thank you for the joy that comes from recognizing that we are not alone. There are spiritual forces at work in our world. We are aware of that. And, and, and some of those forces are dark, and we're going to address that in later weeks. But even more than the in the darkness is the light. We outnumber. We are more powerful. It's amazing in the beauty of the supernatural world that surrounds this real one. And Father, I pray that every single one of us would be encouraged, that we would live our lives with an expectancy of joy, knowing that we are not alone. So still with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you came to church today and you're not where you need to be with God, I'm the only one looking. If you want to take a step toward him today, just slip your hand up. For those that raised hands, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. If you, if you raise your hands, I want you to pray this out loud after me. And, and listen, at Legacy City, we don't let anyone pray alone. All right, so we're going we're gonna to pray along with them. I want everyone else as a reaffirmation of your faith in God to join me in this. So let's, uh, Heavenly Father, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for sending Jesus. Jesus, I ask you to save me by your blood sacrifice. Forgive me of all my sins. I put my trust in you. And I will live for you by the power you supply. In Jesus' name, amen.